0: Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the, the iFreak Show. This week on our panel, we have Alex Bush. Hello, hello. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv, and this week, we're talking to Esteban Torres. That's right. <laughs> I, I even rolled my R's. I, I feel very, very cultural right now. Uh, do you want to just introduce yourself real quick and uh, let people know who you are and what you do?
1: Uh, sure thing, yeah, I am Esteban uh, Torres, uh, like you just mentioned. I am uh, originally from Costa Rica, a beautiful sunny place, oh, and cool. I moved to Berlin four years ago now uh, to work as an iOS developer at SoundCloud, and right now I am currently an engineering manager uh, there, and um, yeah, it's been uh, quite a wild ride, but it's quite fun.
0: Nice. With Headspin, optimize your mobile user experiences 24-7 for any application running on any device and any network anywhere in the world. Their AI-powered analyses track user experience metrics and KPIs over time from cold and warm starts to errors, crashes, and response times, and audio and video quality to biometric responsiveness. Headspin will automatically surface issues and the root cause information you need to optimize user experience for your product or service providing actionable insights end-to-end across applications, devices, and networks with the world's first global device cloud that uses thousands of real SIM-enabled devices on actual carrier and Wi-Fi networks in hundreds of locations around the globe with 100% uptime. Keep your mobile user experiences ahead of the pack and achieve mobile success with a unified proactive approach to testing, performance monitoring, and user experience analytics only with Headspin. Learn more at headspin.io um i have a friend of mine that used to work there i don't know if he still does it's eric um he worked on the rail side uh, anyway um do you want to just uh we we brought you on to talk about your talk at uh the singapore conference uh ios singapore, conference yeah yeah, yeah. you want to just give us the ten thousand foot view on what you talked about there it says pedal to the metal but you said that's misleading, and so I kind of want to, yeah, get the the <laughs> overall feel from you, and then we can talk.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, like, uh, I got a. It, it was kind of like a funny thing because you know, like, I I came up with this super clever name in my head, right? Like, to metal. You know, like it means like going super fast. Definitely, you know, like will convey startup time going super fast. And then five minutes before I get on stage, someone's like, "Oh, cool! You're going to talk about the metal, the framework, right?" Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah then I realized that a lot of people went to the talk thinking that it was about uh, framework uh, and so I had to you know like change my very first slide to yeah this is definitely not about this um, and actually it was about you know like how we went in our journey at SoundCloud to improve our uh, startup time from a very horrendous number which didn't make a lot of sense to something quite decent which is what we have right now it's uh, it's it's quite a fun ride yeah.
0: So I, I wonder, you know, I, I'm always asking this when we get started is, okay, so you're talking about speeding up startup time and things like that. Are there any like quick wins, you know, something I can just go in and it's like, okay, you're probably doing this. This will take you 10 minutes and you're going to get a 50% speed up.
1: Uh. Well, no, not really. I wish. Not
0: really. Okay. <laughs> Folks, he's going to tell you how to get some real work done and it's real work.
1: Yeah. Well, actually, yeah. Also, uh, disclaimer, it was the second uh, slide of my presentation is uh, this is not a recipe. This is not something that you can take, you know, like listen to like, oh, let's go home and do exactly oh, okay. what Esteban did, uh, unfortunately. yeah.
0: But some of it may work out for you and it's an interesting experience report.
1: Yeah, for sure. Totally. Um, yeah, I mean, I I can go directly, dive into it if you want to.
2: Yeah, do oh, it. Let, oh. Let's establish what's, it. what's the problem, right? Like startup time, who cares? You know, it takes five minutes, whatever. The user will wait, right?
1: Sure, exactly. Well, it's funny that you say five minutes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right so let, let me just start well you know like it's kind of like a funny thing One, my manager comes one day you know it's like hey so next project we're going to be working is uh, basically we are going to improve the startup time and, and that's it that was the end of the pitch and like oh beautiful um what is those improving entails you know it's kind of like well if right now it takes five minutes and then we make it take four minutes and a half, is that an improvement? Does that count? Um, so, you know, like I, I realized that at some point we work on, you know, like tracking metrics and launch time and all that stuff. Like, oh, this is great. Let's just build the dashboard. And I fire up uh, our Google uh, dashboards uh, studio that studio and I build it. And the first thing that I notice is that the app is taking an average of two hours at launch and that's kind of like hmm, something must be wrong right something I like it's not rocket science it's just launching the app and uh that's when we realized that something definitely was wrong with the way that we were tracking because not even our moms will wait two hours right even if it's like oh that's, an, <laughs> that's my son work on um,
0: <laughs> definitely not my mom
1: yeah exactly so, <laughs> not. Yeah, it, it, two it, minutes is too long for her <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that was kind of like, you know, like the, the first uh, uh, telltale that something was definitely wrong in our uh, data. Uh, so it was kind of like the first hurdle was just trying to figure out why, why we were reporting two hours. I mean, it's like, it wasn't all that hard, you know, it's just like, oh, first thing you do is start tracking. Then you show the screen, stop tracking. That's it. Um, uh, so, uh, you know, like I started digging and the way that we work at SoundCloud, we have like a, a set of startup operations, that's what we call them basically set up the whole environment before the app can you know like start doing their thing um and so the first idea was like oh yeah we have so many startups and they're they're running sequential that's definitely some dragging in there we should parallelize and stuff like that and that's was like whoa just just first define what is our current base and then try to improve from there um and that's also kind of like uh, interesting because like a, a few months before I was tasked with this uh, improvement, we switched from our home screen, which was basically the first screen that the user was in, uh, which was the, something that was called the stream, to a very clever name screen that was called new home. And uh, basically we switched the order of the tops and we never switched the way that we were tracking the startup time. So basically we started tracking as soon as the application launched and then we stopped as soon as the stream was shown, which was now the middle tab, And of course, nobody clicks in the middle tab. So they usually go into the first one and to the last one. And uh, obviously, that's why it was taking a medium of two hours because it was probably just like five users in the entire world that were going to that tab and like, oh, yeah, there you go. And so it was beautiful just by switching the way that we uh, measured startup time. It went from two hours to something around, I don't know, like three minutes. So that was amazing. That was a quick win, right?
2: So is that, is that a case of uh, you're holding it wrong for analytics uh, people?
1: Yes, <laughs> <laughs> you know we're going to send you all a free case. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was kind of embarrassing, uh, but uh, but it was that was also not the only thing in the, you know that we found out that we were doing completely wrong because at some point before we realized that we had like two hours, uh, we identified that we were you know like way way higher in times. And then it's like, why, why are we doing this? And we started, you know, like looking our analytics code that was written many, many, many months ago. And we realized that at some point someone wrote it thinking, oh, we're tracking milliseconds, right? So let's multiply by a thousand and upload. And we were not tracking milliseconds, we were tracking seconds. So of course, when we were getting the data, it was like, oh, this took, you know, like 2000 seconds. Wow, why? And so it was like a lot of cleanup. Basically, this, this, uh, it's double misleading because the way that we improved a lot of these things was basically just cleanup in how we were tracking stuff, um, which was quite uh, quite sad, but at the same time, quite fulfilling, you know, because we went from two hours to five minutes very fast. And then it came like, you know, like the real legwork, which was basically tackle this uh, startup operations stuff that we had. Uh, it was a very beautiful mess where you basically define one operation and then everything that was set up below it kind of depended on the first one. And you kept on going and going and going. And then it was kind of, you know, like when you have these, uh, your or headphones, you throw them into your back and then you're trying to get them out and they have cables and they're just like a ginormous big knot. That was basically me trying to untie all these random operations dependencies and then uh, thanks to that, I managed to chip uh, the very first ever version of SoundCloud that had zero crashes because I moved the crash tracking uh, operation to the wrong place and it basically was not reporting crashes. So it was amazing.
2: That, yeah, I uh, mean, that's uh, your performance, right? That, that's, that, that's, that's what that, you do. That feels exactly. like a metric
0: from the government. We've had oh zero God. reported crashes. Exactly.
1: So I was like, this is beautiful. This is, I, I, I not only managed to improve the startup time, but I also managed to improve the stability of the app by 100%. So it was great. So yeah, it was months and months of long-living branches uh, for me uh, because, you know, like the way that we work and then it was like, oh, I have identified that this operation depends on this other operation and then this operation depends on this other and then I run it, release it to the public and it crashed and burned and we lost offline sync data. Um, In the end, I managed to, you know, like uh, in in iOS, we have like for these NS operations, you can actually define priorities and dependencies. So I managed to build a, a very nice, I will dare to say, infrastructure in a way where you can actually read which operations depend on which. And it took months and months of having, you know, like the two branches of the code living side by side until we actually managed to, to release that. And by the time that we did it, now with all of the tracking corrected, we managed to go from five minutes to 1.6 seconds, which was beautiful. Wow. So it was definitely an improvement. Yeah, it was, it was crazy but uh but but the 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 fun thing was that along the ride you know like we got to learn a lot of different things uh like uh for example there are like some flags that you can enable that will let you track the amount of time that the you know like the the, the os is actually taking to load all of your frameworks into memory before your application starts up running and so that was something that we we first identified was basically because we, we switched at some point where we're using dynamic frameworks and the way that the dynamic frameworks work was basically they get all loaded at, 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 at time. And that was uh, adding a lot of the ball to our startup time. So we managed to switch everything from uh, dynamic frameworks to a static uh, libraries, static frameworks, actually. And the, that way we got the linking part removed from the startup and it was available. And that actually was also something that helped us, you know, like reduce a lot of the, the startup time. And what, it, was, it was, what, was quite fun. Sorry?
2: I was going to ask, what, what are the drawbacks of switching to static libraries instead of dynamic?
1: Well, I mean, the, the, the biggest one is that basically you pay the price at compile time. Because, you know, like when you, when you compile is when you actually do the linking. So uh, it was a little bit unfortunate for our developers because the compilation time kind of like, grew a little bit, but uh, end users will actually get a faster launch time. So it was one of the, of the drawbacks. And the other one was basically we had to figure out again the way that we load resources because uh, we started like doing this kind of like at some point the what we call micro-frameworks, kind of like following suit to microservices, and basically we started uh, extracting all of our features into smaller frameworks. And then every feature team can develop in their own small uh, ecosystem. And so they created their own saves or storyboards or they had their own phones or so, images so like or whatever.
2: A modularization, right? Uh, a yeah. framework uh, yeah, yeah. Per, per feature set, okay.
1: Yes, exactly. And then we define, you know, like a way that we share among other frameworks. Uh, and obviously the way that it works is that when you have dynamic, you, you have your own pool of resources per framework, and then you just load inside of your bundle. Uh, but switching over to study basically that means that you don't have that bundle per framework. So we had to create our own script, kind of like mimicking what CocoaPods does. So at compilation time, we kind of like uh, go through all of the frameworks, grab all of the resources, copy them into the main bundle, and then repackage them as the new XC assets. Um, that was another drawback. So that actually kind of like, you know, like adds up a lot of the compilation time to make it like last a little bit longer. Uh, so it was... It was it was uh, a little bit tricky for the developers. They were not all that uh, happy or that onto you know like yay the users are going to launch the app faster, but we're paying the price ahead of time. Yeah, but it was but what, it was quite a ride.
2: What were the other? So you <clears throat> you mentioned that there was um, kind of like a procedural sequence uh, startup sequence, right? And I'm assuming it's all in the application did finish launching somewhere there, right? What yeah. what were the things? That you were guys doing there, like uh, uh, initializing crash reporting objects, right? That, that's one thing. Uh, yeah. like, w- what else? What were the big, well, big, I guess, parts?
1: I mean, we, we have like a, a bunch of moving parts running there, you know, like, but for example, yeah, the crashes, the crash things. Then we have like the, the database for offline synced content. So, you know, like, you need to set up the core data stack. And then we have our core data stack for the other things that we track, you know, like metadata for the playlist, metadata for the tracks and all that stuff. So you need to set up all of this. Then we use our very own um, developing house, kind of like media player. So you need to also kind of like, you know, like like, uh, raise that up so that everything is prepared. We also try to make it in a way that you can seamlessly keep listening from where you were before so when the application is being deconstructed or destroyed, we uh, store the play queue at the point of where you had it uh, before. So when we are, you know, like launching the app again, we need to go and track all of these, reconstruct the play queue, set up the time where you were, and uh, there's like a, a bunch of moving parts. So we we had to, you know, like to follow a certain procedure in order to actually not crash and burn, which I failed multiple times. Um, and but yeah that was one of like the the big biggest heavy hitters in, in that
0: one thing that kind of stood out to me as you were talking about just getting your metrics right and part of me's a little bit surprised that there's not something that's already out there that just does this for you right you plug in some library you you know maybe you hit some api right that just plugs into the code in the right place you know it, you know here's here's the hook for when everything's loaded so you know then it it tracks the time here's here's the hook for when it launches the app and then we have the timestamps and everything. Um, so if, if there's not, then how, how do you know you're getting it right? And if I'm building this into my own app, you know, what kinds of metrics am I even looking at that are going to make a difference here?
1: Yeah. Uh, actually when, when we were working on the project that was actually tracking all of these metrics, we, you know, like we, we started like thinking about this, is this something that we should build in house or is there there's something available already? And we use Firebase and Firebase had something that is basically, they they have like performance metrics and they track a lot of things for free, kind of like how long does it take to inflate one view controller, uh, how long does it take to load one view, etc. And they have also the app startup uh, metric. Um, We had those. Um, basically what we did was kind of like piggyback on these things that that Firebase was already giving us uh, just to specifically track what we were interested in because we wanted to know not only from app startup to the first view, we also wanted to track specific segments like how long does it take from the first startup operation onto the end and how long does it take to run each of those individual operations so that we can know which ones were the ones that were taking the most amount of time and maybe defer them to later. Uh, But yeah, so basically what we were using was Firebase because you already have like something that basically it's called startup, like it's start measuring uh, performance and then end measuring performance and you just give it a name uh, or a key and that's how you tie it up and it, it works perfectly.
0: Nice. Early in my career, I figured out which jobs were worth working at and which ones weren't, mostly by trial and error. I created a system that I used to find jobs and later contracts as a freelancer.
1: Yeah, I mean, and also something that I, I do recommend if someone is at some point you know like trying to fine tune these kind of things is that uh, instrument provides something that is called signpost. and uh, basically when you run it with instrument you analyze and then you can actually emit kind of like signposts of stuff, and that's something one something that I did. So you get like a lot of different lanes, and you can name your signposts. Uh, so for example, I could say like, oh, uh, the start of operation one started, the start of operation one ended. And then you get like a graph in time of whenever each of those uh, startup operations is start and end. And then you can see like the whole the graph of things playing uh, along. So it was it was quite good because at some point you can also see which one very obviously before shipping to production is taking a lot. And then how it improves when you're running them in parallel. Um, and it's very good.
0: Yeah, I made a joke about government statistics earlier. But ultimately, I mean, this is the real power, I guess, in, in fixing some of these issues is, is that you have to have some accurate measure of what's going on before you can really make a, you know, a call and say this made a difference because otherwise, yeah, it's like, look, we got it from two hours to one second. Look how awesome we are. Well, in reality, what you did is you fixed the measurement and then you fixed the problem and fixing the problem probably got you, you know, so many, you know, 10, 20, 30%, you know, or I guess. A uh, thousand two thousand three thousand percent faster, maybe even right, if you're down to thirty times faster, but um you know it it wasn't you know thirty million times faster because the two hour mark was was insane, right, and it wasn't accurate so yeah what what I find is that a lot of times you you run into this problem where it's like, oh, we were measuring the wrong thing, what we were doing actually made a difference, but because we weren't looking in the right place, we didn't get an accurate view of what was going on, and so I was curious, okay, how, you know, how do I do this right? So that, cause yeah, nobody's going to sit around for an app that takes two minutes to open. Sorry. They're just not.
1: Yeah, totally. And that, that was also something that I joke a lot about, you know, like when, when I told the story, even when I told the, the when I gave the talk, it was basically the, the way that it was presented. Just kind of like, well, we're interested in improving it. It was like, how, how can you know what's an improvement if you're not even telling me what's the current situation and how, how much do you want it to be better? and And that's why I, I stressed a lot about the fact that we needed to you know like look at certain metrics
2: so i'm i'm curious uh, how like the, did that final solution for um i guess establishing a sequence in uh, of things to be initialized in parallel i think you mentioned you you used an as operations for that right so yes. how, how what was the how did it actually look i have some idea in my head but did did you just use vanilla operations, or you use some um, abstraction on top of it, like Rx, Swifts, or whatnot, or promises?
1: Uh, no, it, I mean, I, we use some sort of a wrapper around the operations, but in the end, they're just vanilla operations, and that actually it helped us a lot because you know, like the OS leverages most of the you know, like the heavy lifting of figuring out what should be executed first what should be executed at what point, what, I, what can be run in parallel, and all of the dependencies. And, uh, and, yeah, also at the time, we were kind of, like, trying to move away from uh, reactive programming because at some point, don't know, like many years ago, we went, like, head-on uh, with reactive programming, and it crept all over the code. And at some point, we kind of, like, you know, somehow stopped uh, upgrading our reactive Cocoa dependency, And now we are stuck with a custom fork of Reactive Cocoa 2.0 something. And we're, I I don't know, in production, it's probably six or so. Uh, So, yeah, we started moving a little bit away from Reactive programming.
2: So what did you put in those operations? Like, for example, that uh, crash analytics initialization, did it go in one of the operations and became, a uh, you know, it's now initialized in the background Or it still has to be, some of the things have to be done synchronously, synchronously on the main thread.
1: Yes, that's also kind of like a a very important thing because at the very beginning, you know, like we just, like the very first naive uh, take that we had was like, oh yeah, let's just parallelize. So everything running parallel and then a lot of crashes happened because there were certain things that needed to happen in the main thread. Um, so basically what we did was we added, you know, like a certain property that kind of specified if a operation needs to be run on the main thread or not. And then based on that, we just kind of like add them to the main queue operations or another one. And the good thing though, is that you can even depend on, on operations that need to run on the main thread and then others that do not need to run on the main thread. So the OS kind of like manages all of this, which is very good for us.
2: Interesting. <clears throat> so, um... Do you guys basically, you you have this set of operations, right, this collection now that you have to wait for to be executed and only then you can proceed and actually show some UI, right? It doesn't matter if it's a login screen or the main one of those tabs that you mentioned, right? Is that yes. typically basically how it goes? And then, and then when they're done, roughly speaking, in a callback block, you say, "Oh, and now uh, navigate to that view controller, the next one."
1: Yes, exactly. That's that's basically how it works. Um, because I mean, it it it, it is quite uh, important that we wait. Uh, because, for example, let's assume that we do not wait for the crash reporting thing or something like that, and then something happening between the finishing of all of the operations on the first view. We will lose that tracking like it happened when I was, you know, like releasing this at the very beginning. And and there were like a lot of different things that need to be done before we can actually launch. We're also very conscious into what goes into these uh, startup operations because exactly that, you know, like everything that you add in there means that the user will have to wait. will be forced to wait until they're actually kind of start interacting. And so we're very conscious as to what goes in there and we're, you know, like started extracting stuff that can be deferred to later because ideally you, you want to show the user like the, the screen as fast as possible. More so, you know, like when you're streaming audio, users usually just want to, oh, I want to listen to this. And that's, they want to listen immediately, not wait five minutes or two hours.
2: Very interesting. I, um, so do you guys, I'm, I'm just curious about this nitty gritty details. Cause I, I'm, I'm kind of, <laughs> I geek out on the implementations <laughs> of those like startups and yeah. how to wire up all the dependencies for the app. So I'm I'm wondering if you guys use um, uh, or used before maybe uh, singletons and that's why you you said you had crashes after you moved everything in parallel because then, you know, you you try to access something that wasn't initialized too fast, right? And do you now directly dependency inject those so that it's very explicit that, oh, this object has to exist before this next let's say view controller can be even initialized
1: yeah that there was also something that was kind of like uh legacy in a way uh the, the 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 way that the startup operations were designed basically they are not constructed in a way that they were not constructed in a way that you could actually pass dependencies they were uh, they were kind of like relying on reflection and so basically you just set up you know like the operations passing in the class Type and then in, internally you reflect on that and and, and create the, the the operations, which was also a, a very big source of slowness because you know like reflection is very slow and it shouldn't be you know like production uh, used. Um, so yeah, uh, we were also relying on on some singletons in order to bypass this uh, weird dependency injection impossibility for us. So one of the things that we changed was basically swap up the way that we depend and we create this and then basically we can now initialize like, this operation depends on these operations and these things. And then basically you can inject the stuff and that's how also the OS can, you know, like fire up things in parallel according to whatever you specify in the dependencies. And then you don't have to rely on having some global state that's there prepared for you for when everything is accessing it. Um, Unfortunately, there are things that we couldn't, you know, like get away with being singletons, kind of like, you know, like the crash reporter, for example, and stuff like that, but uh, but yeah, but we minimize them as much as possible, and it's, most of them are only you know like third party things that were pro- that are provided for us.
2: Yeah, this is something I noticed. I, I had to do something like that on one of the projects. It we didn't have enough manpower to do what you guys did with all full on like operations. Or synchronicity, we went yeah. for a slightly, I guess, like one step down approach. Everything was still synchronous, unfortunately, but um, at least it was broken down into methods methods that inject some dependencies and then spit out something back as a result, and that gets injected in something else, so that's like a cascading chain, and then at least you know what depends on what. It, but we've struggled very much with uh, third-party dependencies, such as well segment specifically at the time, because it was a, a freaking singleton that doesn't even have a protocol, and you have to like procedurally in, in, initialize it and then call some stuff on it so that it works and yeah, that, that was kind of tough to work around.
1: yeah. Uh... Yeah, I, I hear you because, I mean, like, we this kind of, like, startup operation thing has been, like, a, an ongoing stuff for us because, uh, for example, at some point, we did this, you know, like, this rework on how we create the operations and how we initialize them and stuff like that. And then some months later, GDPR came and it's like, oh, yeah, you are not allowed, you know, to even, you know, like, start up your tracking stuff unless the user has already given, you know, like, active consent. And that basically throws out the window the way that we to stuff configured because it was like, yeah, maybe, maybe at some point it was like, yeah, maybe just initialize and do not activate. But no, you're not even allowed to do that. Um, and there was like a lot of issues with that because, oh, well, it's a singleton. There's no way that we can use it. So basically you have no tracking the first run until the next one because, I mean, it's GDPR compliance. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely tough because, yeah, you sometimes do not have, you know, like the way to actually inject the stuff like that. One thing that we did at some point, but I, it doesn't work all the time, is just create our very own protocol that basically just matches the exact same signature that they provide. And then with that, we kind of like, you know, like mock it around. But it's, yeah, it's still not ideal.
2: Yeah, it's, it's wrappers. That's what we ended up doing that as well. At least that's in the testable. So. Yeah, exactly.
0: I'm curious. Yeah. Did you track? well, I mean, we started out with startup time, but did you track, um, you know, this kind of performance or these kinds of things in other parts of the app? Like you mentioned, well, when we load this tab, you know, it loads faster. So, w- what else are you looking at to speed up?
1: Uh, well, for us, uh, a lot of like a, one of the biggest or the most important thing besides you know like startup time was basically uh, something that we call time to play, and we track. From when someone wants to play something to you know like when we actually start playing something, and that's basically track across the entire application, and that's also something that we take like you know like a, a too hard is very important, and we're always measuring that and, and and following the metrics because you know like oh it it went half a second like ooh that's that's horrible because that means that the user is waiting half a second more to just place a track and yeah, so that's one of the biggest one. we also track you know like how long does it take to i don't know like uh sync up your offline tracks or stuff like that. That's also kind of important because, you know, like we, we want to also provide the users with what they want as fast as possible.
0: Makes sense. So so now that you've kind of gone through this journey and you've you've taken all these steps, uh, you know, that that you and Alex talked about for a minute there, um, what are you working on now? I mean, have you moved on to other things or do you still monitor this or, you know, are there steps you're taking to make it even better, or even faster? Do you track it when you add new features? I mean, these are the kind of things that are going through my head, right? Is what does this look like now that you've sort of won the game?
1: Yes. Uh, Well, we we at Sample have something that's called, we're calling collectives basically. And we have, you know, like one for iOS, one for Android, one for web, one for BFFs. And uh, the way that it works is that basically in in this example, the iOS collective meets once a week. And we discuss... uh, no stuff that's iOS related, not per team, you know, like because everyone is working on their own stuff, but it's basically, you know, like, oh, the new Swift is coming, uh, the dub dub videos are up, stuff like that. Um, so one of the very first topics that we go through is basically we check the metrics from last week, you know, like, oh, number of crashes, OOMs, uh, etc. One of the metrics that we also pay close attention is the startup time. So basically once a week we go through, through the entire past week, and we check how we're doing. And if it goes up, we try to understand why. Why is it taking longer? What did we release this week? Uh, why? What did we introduce that could, you know, like be making it go up? And then next week we track it again. If it went down, oh, maybe it was just a bleep. But if it keeps going up, it's like, oh, we did something. We need to understand why. Because sometimes we introduce something that we, you know, just need to buy the bullet. It's like, yeah, we introduced this new feature and it just slows us down. There's nothing we can do. But we need to understand. And so, yeah, that's, we, we track that every single week. Nice. Yeah. A quick, it's a, uh, it, it's,
2: it's a quick off topic. Uh, you, you mentioned BFFs there, the, the backend for front end. You do you guys have thought workers?
1: Sorry, do you have so
2: what? The uh, ex-thought workers working.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: So are you guys actually, yeah, I haven't asked that. Are you what the the code base is? It all Objective C or Swift or mix?
1: That was uh, also another source of frustration. Uh, it it is mixed now. Um, when you know, like we we did a, a big rewrite of the app in 2000. 15 or 14 or something like that, something around that time. And so by the time that Swift came out, we, we were just very recently uh, rewritten the entire app, right? So it was like not something that we could do again. Uh, and at that time, we kind of like committed to maintain what we had in Objective-C and basically almost everything new will come in Swift unless there was like a very strong case where, yeah, this would make a lot more sense to keep it in Objective-C. And uh, so now the, the code base, I think, will be, is not there, but it would probably be like fifty fifty in in Swift and Objective C, and and that also kind of like you know I like got a lot of extra difficulty for when you're working with certain stuff because you know had the runtime that you you, you kind of manipulated the easy as you used before when you you had you know just Objective C. It's
0: a good question. I hadn't even thought of that.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it, it makes it a little bit harder for certain things, you know, because you need to define certain protocols mark them at Objective C so that you know like Objective C can see them. But then if you do that, you do not get all of the benefits from Swift land. And then you need to kind of like make this compromise or you end up having your Swift code with a add Objective C wrapper to expose certain things. And yeah it's it's tricky.
2: Do you guys um are you actively thinking of Swift UI and kind of go in that direction? And if you do Do you have any considerations for the startup time and specifically, maybe it will affect how you structure your app? Hopefully not, but maybe it will. And then you have to do something about your startup again, that this whole kind of process that that you have.
1: Yeah. I mean, we definitely are looking at SwiftUI. Uh, It's not something that we can adopt right now because of the last OS version that we support. And so, if we move towards Swift UI, we will be leaving some a big portion of our users so we're like without the upgrade. So we're kind of like waiting until we reach the point where we can actually, you know, like embrace it completely. Uh, we haven't started, you know, like doing some investigations, playing around with it, and we're trying to see uh, how well it will benefit us. And but definitely, when it comes up, it will, you know, like be something that we will be introducing it slowly and we will have to definitely also check how it will be affecting you know like the, the, the startup and I am pretty sure that it will change a lot the way that we structure the, like our operations because I don't really even know exactly I haven't actually invested a lot of time in SwiftUI in so I don't really know exactly how you manage you know like to inject all of the dependencies and all that stuff and, and the way that it's been that, that it reacts is completely different so yeah it, it's definitely going to be a game changer for the way that we structure our have you play around
2: with it? Yeah, a little bit. I have. I'm very biased. I have a lot of concerns, so I, I guess I, I won't <laughs> raise, raise many of them. Yeah. Uh, but but I think it's yeah. It depends on how, I guess how much you go in on it. it. It it might change structure of your app, or you kind of just have your view controllers here and there have their view be implemented as swift ui but then you're not utilizing all of it right to, we'll see how it plays out what people come up with as a best practice down the road yeah.
1: i've also heard I, I mean i haven't actually played a lot with it but i've heard that it's not production ready in a way i've heard that there's yeah. like a lot of rough edges and yeah
2: yeah Again, different topic, but I just wonder sort of, yeah, for like startup and setup and all of that, because, well, yeah, like injecting dependencies is going to be probably some different way because it's not as straightforward. Everything's a struct and you can't really have, you you can't even have a delegate properly because delegate, it needs to be a uh, uh, reference type rather than value type. And you can't have those easily, at least as far as I can tell as when I was playing with it, it, it's all sorts of weird. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see.
1: Yeah, I think it's, it's going to be fun because I, I, I guess it, the, the, the thing being, you know, like such a game changer is basically that we'll have to reevaluate the way that you're used to thinking about your code. So maybe that's also one of the things that you're used to, you know, like relying on delegates in a certain way. And maybe it's like there, there should be maybe a different way that you could use for SwiftUI or... Maybe it's simply something that is, yeah, it's not supported, and then that's it. But, uh, but yeah, the, I I think it's going to be interesting. I don't think it's going to be, you know, like a silver bullet that we can just switch all over to SwiftUI and that's it. Uh, but it's another tool that we can use, and I, I'm actually eager to to start playing around with it. Uh,
2: but back to the topic of startup, uh, actually. So, so like, just remembered like a few things in the beginning that you mentioned about those flags that you set. Um, for, for then in instruments you see like when the, the, the thing you're measuring started and where it ends is that something you call in the code uh, right I'm assuming it's like some function yes. probably like C plus ish low level thingy yeah a- and then is like literally just you call it and then it shows up like as, a, as an UI piece on that timeline and in instruments
1: yeah, I mean, like, it, it literally, you, you can imagine it, like, as, as different lanes over time, right? And then they show up, like, uh, like on a map app, you know, like, when you have a pinpoint, then you have that pinpoint of whatever you, you're, you're, you're calling, and then uh, that color gets, kind of like, filled out until you actually call the end of your code, and then you have, like, this lane with the color that you select, because you can actually even choose colors per your different uh, operation, and then then you can even, like, you know, like, name in and like all of that. And basically, you can see all of the different lines across time of each of the things that you're interested in tracking. And you can even have, like, you know, like, a summed up uh, metric. Uh, so it's, it's perfect for this kind of thing that I was actually trying to do. Um, there are a couple of uh, WWDC uh, sessions about these signposts, and they're, like, very, very well uh, done. And actually, I, I base most of my work on those, and they help a lot because they, you get very granular metrics of what you're trying to do.
2: Perfect. I was about to ask, uh, w- what resources do you have for this? Because I, I don't think I ever read anything too deeply about instruments in Apple Docs. I'm kind of assuming it's somewhere there, probably deep. But I, I was wondering if there's like any better resource or TLDR articles or something like that.
1: Yeah, definitely. I... I... I think I have it on, on, on my slides actually, and even on my website for that talk and everything. It's, it's yeah, there's like two sessions that are very detailed about how to use signposts and they're beautiful.
0: Are you freelancing or moolining? Or maybe you've thought about going out on your own. Every week we have a group of developers at various stages of the freelancing journey on The Freelancer Show to talk about becoming better at freelancing. We also bring in experts to talk about marketing, SEO, and delivering high quality to clients. So if you're interested in going freelance or you are freelance, check it out at freelancershow.com.
2: Any other tools like that, sort of not well-known uh, tricks and tips for, uh, I guess, yeah, analyzing it with instruments? Like another one that I want to talk about uh, is, was that, that you mentioned was the, uh, the, for the frameworks when you make them static, Or rather, before they're static and dynamic, how do you analyze what gets pulled and takes uh, startup time? I'm also curious, like, how do you do that, right? And then how did you find out that you could do that?
1: Yeah, um, it's uh, basically, uh, there's like some uh, launch arguments that you pass to, to the application and that actually makes it speed out all of these metrics um the way that i found out about those was basically i was trying to you know like uh, searching all over the web on how to you know like phrase your startup operations and stuff like that and then i came into there is like one issue uh, in coco that was open I don't know how many years ago, because at that time, Artsy was reaching the point where, you know, like the, the startup was very slow. And that's when Apple kind of like commented that there was only six uh, dynamic frameworks that you should use because otherwise it was going to start like going slow and blah, blah, blah. That issue was like a lot of different uh, documentation about all the things that they did in order to actually trace it down to this. Um, and there's, uh, they actually pointed out about some of these metrics that you could track based on these arguments. And there's also a link to a blog post from Automatic. They actually did something very similar to, you know, like to improve their startup uh, operation, uh, well, their startup launch times. And they, like, you know, like give you a step-by-step how you can add those arguments into your application so that you can actually spit it out into the console. And they also did some work with Cartage, and then they basically switched uh, upon release uh, dynamic linking versus static linking um so it was it was very 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 good
2: i see yeah because all all of those things to me are like it's dark magic like i don't know anything about it i don't even know where to find out about it i i can do a lot of things on the code level like yeah i guess one step up my world if you will that i live in Uh, and yeah but that stuff huh I mean,
1: to be fair, yeah. When I first got onto this this task, it was it was not like you know like my comfort zone. Uh, I was just kind of like you know like thrown there and it was kind of like swimmer sink. Uh, So I had to spend a lot of time, you know, like just reading everywhere and understanding the compiler and how linking works and how everything was basically set up from the very beginning. Um, and yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun and I learned a lot, but, uh, after working on that for a few months, I just really wanted to go back to, you know, like Swift, beautiful, Swift, or even Objective-C, I wouldn't mind and move away from, you know, like this low level uh, measurement and improvements because it takes a toll on you after a while.
0: Usually the long silence means that we're running out of things to talk about. Is, is there anything else that we should have asked you or anything you have that you want to ask Alex?
2: No, I think, I, yeah, I, I got my curiosity. Uh, what's the word? Fulfilled.
0: <laughs> now, Alex is gonna go rewrite all the apps that he does.
2: Oh yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> I'm gonna yeah, pu- just put like the, really- put the flags there. I want to see there that instruments timeline now. I want to see how cool, cool, how fast it is, because I think it's awesome, right?
1: <laughs> no, Turns really, out yo. it's very slow. <laughs> <laughs> now, but all jokes aside, the, the signposting is actually I know it's not something dumb, but just seeing all of those things showing up on my instruments, it was like, oh it's so cool. Um it, it was dumb and everything, but uh but yeah, it's actually something that I do recommend that you're trying to improve.
2: I think actually for me, cause i I remember um one of one uh, one of the one of the really complex problems I was solving lately at work was Actually, not the startup, but rendering. I had a very, very, very complex uh, multi piece uh, outer layout view, like just composed of a gazillion of different things and so many outer layout constraints. It would actually, and it it was shot, like injected into a table or collection view in one of the cells. So, on top of it, there was that complexity every time I would refresh it, it would just be like a blank screen for a f- two, three seconds. And I had to figure out why the heck does this happen? And of course, like instruments gave me a lot. But if I had those flags that you talked about, the signposts, that yeah. would be way easier, actually.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, yeah, I, there's, there was a talk from... Oh, I forgot his name. He now works at Apple, but he gave a talk uh, two years ago in UA Conf, and it was, it was basically what you just described, you know, like it was rendering, how to improve, how he used instruments and how he tracked it down. It was beautiful. Um, ah, what was his name? I don't remember his name, but he, he works now at Apple and it, it was amazing. I think at some point he also used, you know, like signposts and it definitely helps you because you can, you know, like one thing is just reading numbers. Another thing is just being visual and you can see, you know, like big chunks of, color over the time and then it's like ah yeah obviously their big red chunk is definitely slow so yeah I I am very visual so for me it's it's very useful.
0: Very cool alright well let's go ahead and do some picks Alex do you want to start us off with picks?
2: Always put me on the spot huh?
0: That's my job.
2: I've been reading a book called Starship Troopers it's an old ish book 80 something, 86, 82 uh, there's a movie you know, that, that was made based on the book in like 90s or 2000s uh, movie is meh, but the book is great, I like the book, I'm, I'm like probably like one third through it, and it's interesting, different perspective different set of values that they have there, uh, I like it so I recommend, recommend reading it, it's well more interesting than the movie
0: Nice. Uh, I'm going to jump in with a few picks. Um, I mentioned on the last episode that we recorded uh, that I am putting on iOS remote comp. So uh, you can go check that out. Uh, Not you, Esteban. I haven't got the page up yet, but it'll be up by the time this goes live. So uh, that's the magic of podcasts, right? We record it, I go do the work, and then it's there when you want it. Um, uh, So yeah, I'm working on lining up uh, speakers and, and all that stuff. Um, I'm also putting together some stuff for React Native if you're interested in that, though it seems like this show and that show are somewhat mutually exclusive. Um, if anything, React Native folks will probably want to come over here because sometimes you have to do uh, native integrations, and so learning Swift and uh, iOS dev is sort of a necessity going one way but not the other. Um, I'm also putting on some online meetups that you can go to find out when those are at devchat.tv slash meetups. If we have a community that has a show that uh, doesn't have an online meetup and you want to help organize it, let me know. uh, Because I've kind of set up the ones that I think I have time for right now. We'll see how April looks and then we'll see how May looks and then I may start some more. Um, And then also just, you know, uh, I'm just going to pick two more things related to this coronavirus thing. Uh, Since we're all in the middle of it, in one way or another. I don't know what they're doing in Berlin, but around here they've been t- telling us to stay home. So, I had a nap this morning and I needed it. <laughs> so, take care of yourself is one pick, and then uh the other one is I've just been seeing people do extraordinary things to reach out to people they don't know and take care of each other. And man, if that doesn't restore some faith in humanity, I don't know what does. So, um if you're out there and you're one of those people that have thought about reaching out to your neighbors. I mean, just tech, ch- check on the people right next to you, right? So uh, go knock on their door of their house or apartment and then step back six feet uh, or two meters. And then, you know, just make sure they're okay and that they don't need anything and that, that life's good. Um, and I think if everybody did that, then we'd all be a little bit better off, right? Um, and then I'm also seeing a lot of people kind of getting over the uh, worry and angst around politics or other things that kind of divide us and haven't seen people come together in these ways. And that's also been really encouraging. You don't see a lot of that on Twitter, but you're seeing it in other places. So anyway, those are my picks. I, I just, I love people and I, I love people who are taking care of people. So,
1: yeah. Uh, so I guess it's my turn. Um, well, I'm going to uh, jump on the coronavirus kind of topic as well. Uh, it's kind of like related to what you mentioned. I have a friend that uh, she works in uh, in the U S in kind of like a, convenience store kind of thing and um, basically something that they're doing is uh from the time that they open around eight or something like that until 10 uh young people basically are not allowed to go uh, they're kind of like only reserving these for people that are you know like a little bit older uh, so that they you know like that way they can actually go there feel secure they can actually uh, you know like uh retrieve their groceries um, without worrying, you know, like they will arrive and there will be either a lot of people or B, there will be no food left because everyone already kind of like took everything. Uh, so I think that that's actually quite good. And it kind of like uh, it made me feel great that uh, she's doing this because, you know, like it's, it's great. It basically, everyone is kind of like telling you to stay awake and to, to from people and do this and do that. But they don't really talk about, you know, like how to help uh, people that are in need. The other thing that I wanted to mention is also kind of like uh, related to this, and basically is that here in Berlin, we are also told to stay home and everything is kind of like closed, uh, which it means that all of the you know, nightclubs and all of the discos and all of the techno places are also closed up. So uh, there is a, a website going around that you can actually just look, and it's basically like Berlin Nightlife, and you can, you know, like do streams of live. Techno parties that are going around, put up by the different uh, places around here. And they have, you know, like an Indiegogo kind of link so that you can help out the artists, which is great because, you know, like it's this is that's their livelihood and basically they kind of work right now. And the last big is kind of like tangential to coronavirus, but it's like one audiobook that I've been uh, listening to, which is called Severance. It's a novel and uh, maybe do not listen or read it right now because it's basically about uh, a virus that takes over the world and kind of like it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. It was recommended to me. Uh, I, I started listening to it and then coronavirus came. Uh, it's actually quite good. It's uh, it's very fast, uh, but but yeah, don't read it right now. Maybe by the time that this is out, we you can actually listen or read it. So yeah, those are my picks.
0: Awesome. If people want to connect with you online, say GitHub, Twitter, blog, et cetera, where do they find you?
1: Yeah, I mean, like, uh, well, my website is basically my name and my last name, Esteban Torres, uh, just with a dot before the E-S at the end. And my GitHub and Twitter are the same ones. It's basically my same persona everywhere, but it's kind of like a little bit hard, but it's E-S-T-T-O-R-H-E, which is basically the first three letters of my name, the first letter of my last name, and the first two letters of my second last name stuff. tough. I don't know. I should have picked something easier. But yeah, I realized that very, very many years later and yeah, it stuck.
0: Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, I ran into that with my Twitter handle and I actually changed it after a year or two because I joined early-ish on Twitter and changed it to something much shorter. But anyway, good yeah. deal. Well, thanks for coming and talking to us. Um, really appreciate that. Uh,
1: thanks for having me. It was quite a lot of fun. Yeah. And good luck with your conference.
0: Thanks. All right. Well, we'll wrap this up, folks. And uh, until next time, Max out. Bye. Beautiful. Bye. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by CashFly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with CashFly. Visit C A C H E F L Y dot com to learn more.